Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the first chapter of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you, as I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one to lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong, and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. Well, middle of July, and I remember as a kid on vacation, sitting in the back seat with my two sisters, and uh, dad had an old Ford, no air conditioning, and we had the windows down. He'd always smoke cigars when we were on vacation in the car. And, um, but he always insisted he knew where he was going. It's almost like real men don't use maps. And um, he would ask mom to, to do the navigation. Only, well, he never admitted when he got lost, but, but he did ask her to navigate, but he wouldn't ask for instructions, even from his from his wife sitting right next to him. And so on we'd go, and suddenly I'd hear mom say, Andy, we're lost. (laughs) And dad would say, no, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. And we were lost. (laughs) And we went through what might be known as the blue highways to find our way back to the freeway or the main highways. And it was one of those experiences that made me hate vacations. Sitting in the back seat, and um, my leg would rub up against my sister's leg, and it's like gross, and we'd fight in the back, and all of that stuff. You know how it is. But um, on a journey, on a journey, everything is new. We don't know quite what it is that we are to see next. And traveling out west, I used to love 
the fact that we would come up over a rise and there off in the distance would be the Rocky Mountains. And it was so beautiful. And then that gave us a, a goal, something to go to, something that we could see. But for, for many of those times, it was just long stretches of land out in front of us, ordinarily flat land and we could see nothing. And I remember just counting the, the telephone lines along the road and watching the, the wire go up and down as we drove. And it was pretty much miserable to be on a journey, to be traveling. Well, the people of God, when they get out into the, into the desert, they've had this amazing experience of the, of, of the release, the exodus, the dividing of the waters of the Red Sea. And they walked across, and then the Red Sea came down upon the Egyptian army, which was in hot pursuit. This amazing experience. And even with that, they went on from there, and the Sinai is hot. And they have to look for water. They have a hard time finding water. God provides water from a rock. And then they were having a hard time with, with food. God provided manna, which... We don't even know really what that was, but God provided for them, and he provided doves. But even that, you know, manna and dove, every single meal. And um, moms could only do so much to spice it up. And they would still get so tired of the same thing all the time. So the people began to think about Life back in Egypt. Oh, the flesh pots of Egypt. Well, slavery, it's not so bad. We got free food. And we knew where to sleep every day. And we, we really, we want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt. Slavery was not all that bad because it was easy, comfortable, predictable. And so they mustered together and they waged a protest against Moses. And they demanded that Moses take them back, go back into Egypt, back into slavery. Moses, of course, said, no, we're not going back. And and the people grumbled. And that's one of the stories of the Exodus, and that is the murmuring of the people. They're constantly complaining. If they're not complaining about one thing, it's another. It's not the food, it's the heat. It's, they don't like this, they don't like that. Moses probably smoked cigars and it stank, so they were upset about that. There was always something to, to complain about. But they kept going. And the choice was simply this. You go back and submit yourselves once again to slavery, or you continue to pursue what God has in mind for you, which is freedom, that you will be free. And they operated with this vision. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. That was a vision that even children could understand. But the grown-ups, uh, 
And it'll, yeah, right, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be so easy for us. They wanted to go back. They wanted slavery. Slavery rather than freedom. But on they went and then encamped on the east side of the Jordan River where Moses died. Now they are ready to cross. And the charge is given to Joshua for, for him to lead the people across the Jordan into Canaan, into the promised land, into that place that awaits them, that land flowing with milk and honey. And yet the people, all they have to think about, all they have to relate to is their past. The past, which is simply the misery of the desert. And there were, by the time that we are at the Jordan River, none of that generation that came out of Egypt was still alive. They were there for 70 years, or pardon me, 40 years through the desert. And in that 40-year period of time, all of those who had come out of Egypt were gone. And so the memory of Egypt was gone. But their life was defined now by the wilderness experience as well as that experience of slavery. That's all they knew, slavery and wilderness. And that became... That became their way. That became their equipment for life. And so th they could only refer to that past as something that was real to them. And, and when we do that, when all we can think about is where we have been, when all we can think about is our past, it's so, far, it's so difficult for us to think about what might be for us in the future. And the people carried from Egypt, among other things, they carried these little, silly little dolls, little Egyptian idols, little reminders of the gods of Egypt and the life of Egypt. And that was, that was all they could really cling to. Because even now we had a, a whole generation of people that had no memory of the, the dividing of the waters. That was simply a story to them, a story told them by grandparents and parents. And we all know how much kids listen to us. And that was just a story to them. So they had, they had only their past to go, to go with. And so, so the word comes to Joshua to lead them across, to go from that journey now to an adventure. You see what's going on there. They have no sense whatsoever of future. They only have that past to refer to. All they can see out in front of them is this land that they know nothing about. But they can see the green. And they, say, they can see the water. And, and yet they, they know that there are some very frightening people there. So now what they have to do is somehow move ahead, have the, the strength and the courage. And, and God tells Joshua twice to be strong and courageous. Be, the, be strong and courageous and move ahead. Have the strength and the courage to, to go forward, to enter into this adventure of going forward. 
Think about all they have to let go of. Think about all they have to, have to allow to fall away. They have, they have no sense whatsoever that they can do anything against these Canaanite warriors. They have no sense whatsoever that they can do anything that will accomplish what Joshua is calling them to do. We've all been there. We've all been at that place where everything has fallen apart for us. We have no sense whatsoever of how we go forward or what it is that we're going to face. We feel completely ill-equipped. We want to hold on to what we have, those things that have given us some sense of security, some sense of, of identity. We want to hold on and we're afraid that going forward we're going to be completely ill-equipped for what this is. If you've been divorced, if you've lost a spouse, if you've lost a child, you've lost a job, you know that, you know that anguish and that fear. You know how completely ill-equipped you, you feel at such a time. How can I go forward? What does it mean? What does it mean to, to not have fear? to be strong and courageous. Harriet Tubman was involved in the Underground Railroad. And she's attributed to have said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they only knew they were slaves. The reality is, when we find ourselves enslaved by our circumstances, by our life, by our life the way it is, we don't even know that we're enslaved. And somehow we have to step out and, and walk in, in faith and not bring all that old stuff with us. We have to leave it all behind, our little idols, our little securities. We have to let it all go, but somehow we have to first realize, yes, we have been enslaved. We have been owned. And our lives were not our own, or so we thought. So we have to be impelled forward by a sense of, of promise, of future. The future for the people of God is defined by the promise. The promise is that land land flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> and we just don't think that way. We don't think that way about ourselves when we find ourselves at that place. Lose a job, and we don't think that that which is ahead of us is a, a land flowing with milk and honey. We don't think at all about being secure and safe. We lose a, a loved one. We don't know at all what we're going to do to be not alone when we lose a child, we have no sense whatsoever that we're ever going to get over it and that we can't possibly live another day. So we know what that is to simply be told to be strong and courageous but have no nothing, no anything, no stuff whatsoever within us that gives us any confidence that we can keep going. God says go. 
God says, continue on, be strong and courageous. And this is so, this is so tough. These are real people. One of the things that I love about the scriptures is these are not high and holy people. They're people like us. They're people who have all of the stuff that we have and all the impulses we have, all the fears and anxieties. And yet, the Lord speaks to them as he, as he does to us. And so, in order to receive what we need to go forward, we have to let go of what we have. Kind of the old cliche is God can only fill empty hands. We have to let go of all the stuff that has defined us up to this point. We've got to let it all go and then seize upon what the Lord may give us. Jesus gave a, an illustration of this. He said there was a farmer and he was out plowing his field and his plow ran into something and found out it was a buried treasure in his field, or in the field, field that he didn't know. And so what he did is he went out with joy and sold everything he had, everything, so that he could seize upon that treasure in the field. Everything was sold. This is in contrast to the story of the rich young ruler who had everything, came to Jesus and said, well, in order for me to have what you're talking about, what do I have to do? And he said, go and sell everything you have and give it all to the poor. The challenge to both was the same. If you're going to receive the realities of the kingdom, unload of everything, let go of it all, have no sense whatsoever of ownership or dependence upon all of that stuff that has brought you this far. Now go forward, emptied, so that you might be filled by God. The rich young ruler went away sad. That indentured farmer went away and sold everything he had with joy. So the challenge to us is to ask ourselves, what does it really mean for us to live this life fully dependent upon, upon our God? What does it really mean for us to seize upon our relationship with Christ so that that is the pearl of great price, that is the treasure buried, that that is the, the land of promise for us to be so fully and completely reliant upon that relationship. What does that mean for us? What does it mean when faith is not simply a nice add-on? It's not simply an enhancement of, of our lives. When our faith is more than just a, um, an amenity to an otherwise well-ordered life. What does it mean when faith is the middle of all things? And all of the other stuff are the amenities and the stuff of the French. What does it really mean to put Christ at the center of our lives, to define who we are, to be a people 
fully defined by our relationship with God. When I finally acknowledged that I belonged not to myself, but to my, to my Savior. I don't know that in junior high, I had all that much to let go of. I don't know if at that point in my life, I had all that much to gain from, from accepting Christ as my Savior and my Lord and pledging myself to live for Him. But what I do know is what, in making that commitment to Christ, what I do know is the stuff that fell away. The stuff that I left behind. When I started to cross the Jordan into the land of promise that the Lord had given to me, I didn't know at all what I was doing. I went to Forest Home in Southern California to meet girls, and I met Christ instead. But what I experienced was the relinquishing, the letting go of a deep and ponderous and assaulting guilt in my life. I realized that I was free, that I was unburdened, and I could pursue this life out in front of me in, in a way that allowed me to run in freedom. And that is what I, that is what I cling to. And in spite of all of the temptations to submit myself once again to a yoke of slavery, which is what we're warned not to do, I do what I can and continue to try to pursue that life that is a life defined by, by me, for me by my Savior Christ, a life that is always going to lead to freedom and never back to the Egypt of guilt and self-accusation. And in that way, in that challenge, in that new adventure, I know and you know what it is to be free in Christ. If the Lord speaks to your heart, hear him. You join me in prayer. Dear Father, may we not be at all half-hearted about this life our half-hearted gains us neither freedom nor the kingdom. And so we, we must pursue you with all that we are, all that we have, for nothing really matters other than our relationship with you, you who made us and you to whom we will one day return. Thank you for this chance that you've given us to live life fully in your Son, our Savior Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.